Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things entertainment, pop culture, movies, games, travel, television, and more. You can catch us online at Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L, that is, keyword skewed, to see our game reviews in a network of... Um, what is it now? 21 papers in 12 markets. Uh, we have our new, um, well, our new, but our quarterly magazine, Student Reviewed the Magazine. New issue is currently in the works and will be out at the end of the month. And of course, next week we will see the return of my radio segment on KSW FM with BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Uh, took a bit of hiatus while they uh, shuffled the deck with some personnel, but we are back at, as of next week and good to go. So let's hit the ground running. Michael has just returned from a trip to California, and I'm heading out tomorrow to do coverage. So uh, why don't you recap what's up, Michael, and what you saw? Yeah, so, yeah, we had a great trip to California. It was obviously good to get away from the, the heat. Uh, the weather was beautiful, as you'd expect from Southern California in September. And it was definitely a couple of days that were uh, fully packed, uh, to say the least. Um, we started off in San Diego, um, went to SeaWorld, which is always a, a, a fun experience. I've always said that it's one of the parks that I think if I lived in California would be the one that I would have a, a season pass to because it's always just it's just amazing. It's kind of relaxing. Um, they have some absolutely amazing um, rides. We don't do roller coasters, but they have some amazing um, new roller coasters that they've set up. Um, the SeaWorld Hall of Scream event that we, we attended that night um, was was great. Uh, the um, I think we've kind of mentioned it's it's not as nearly as intense as say Not Scary Farm or um, the Universal Halloween Horror Nights, but it's so they still put on a really good show. From the folks that I spoke to at the media event who had gone through some of the mazes the year before, um, they said that it was scarier scarier than last last season's um, ones. One of the things that we did note, and I, I'm still not sure if this is part partly due to the pandemic or um, just that it's a new uh, event that they're kind of kicking into gear is um, one of the observations was that the, the houses are well done. They have great props, but they were kind of empty as far as um, actors go. Um, uh, again, they were, uh, the presentation was great. Um, the um, scare zones were fantastic. They did an amazing job there. Um, but with the, with the, uh, the haunted houses, they just seemed a little bit, um, empty from from a, a, a monster's perspective. Uh, again, we're not sure if that's um, because it's new or that might be part of the pandemic um, requirements is that they're kind of minimizing or limiting um, not only the amount of people going through the mazes, but also how many um, people they're packing in those mazes from a from an actor perspective. Uh, but all in all, um, SeaWorld was just an outstanding time. Um, there's, you know, they, they have some new um, Sesame Street uh, uh, things even at the SeaWorld Park, um, some rides and, and some live shows with Sesame Street that kind of go along with their new Sesame Street theme park uh, that's about 20 minutes away from, from SeaWorld. So um, SeaWorld was a, a fantastic time. And, and again, if you're looking for a horror event that's well done, um, that maybe, maybe isn't quite as intense as the others, but still a lot of fun, um, I would definitely recommend um, checking out the Hall of Scream event um, if you get the opportunity. 
Um, the second event that we went to was um, Universal Studios during the day, which we followed up with uh, Universal Halloween Horror Nights. And one of the, the biggest things at Universal um, that was added both for the day ride, I mean, for the daytime and the Halloween Horror Nights, was they now have the Jupiter's Claim set that you actually drive through on the tram. Um, during the day, so you get to see, um, if you've gone to see um, Jordan Peele's Nope movie, you'll instantly rec recognize the set. It's the actual set that they filmed on for Jupiter's Claim. Um, and, you know, it's, that, it's an old Western theme park kind of thing. Um, they have uh, some of the uh, quote-unquote aliens um, dressed up that are, are part of the show. Uh, but it's really cool to kind of go from seeing a movie that recently um, you know, came out maybe, what, six months ago, five months ago, um, and actually getting an opportunity to, to go through the actual set on the tram and, and really get to explore it and see it. It was a, a fantastic um, opportunity for something that's really recent. I mean, again, for those who have been there um, fairly recently, you know, they have the um, part of the tram ride, they have Fast and Furious, they do King Kong, um, and they do, you know, Psycho and Jaws. So they have a lot of their more traditional um events they do a do a uh, earthquake scene um it so it's always kind of part theme park ride part tour of the studios but to get an opportunity to see something that's so recent uh was really fantastic and for those who are able to make it out for halloween horror nights there's even an opportunity for you to walk around the nope set um at night with a lot of actors dressed up from Jordan Peele's other um, story, um, Us, uh, out there. So just all in all, just really a great um, experience. You know, Universal Studios, one thing I like about it is, you know, you have the Jurassic World ride, which is always a lot of fun. Um, the Harry Potter universe, for those who haven't been recently, um, is, they just do such a great job with, with that, you know, that you have... You can buy wands, and you can practice with your wands on uh, this magic door that spews smoke, and um, they can you can turn locks if you do certain things. It's just it's just a really a really great experience uh, for the whole family. And and the other nice thing is um, if you want to go out, step outside the park, um, which is what we did for lunch. You don't need, you're not reliant on eating uh, lunch in the park. You can actually go to Universal City Walk, which is right outside the front gates. And you can know, meet people for lunch there, do some shopping, a lot like downtown Disney in general. So all in all, um, a really great trip. We probably spent 12 or 13 hours per day at both parks, um, averaged about 10 miles of walking each day um, at the parks. But just really, uh, again, it's a great opportunity. I think our, our next um, next time we'll probably hit up Disney again and, and not uh, Berry Farm. We actually did stay at the Knott's Hotel, which again is always a fantastic experience. We didn't go into the park um, this time, but we did have an opportunity to stay there and it's, it's really easy to get to everything from there. So all in all, just a really great opportunity to do not only um, horror night events, but also to experience the, the all the stuff that the uh, parks offer during the daytime. You know, it's funny, I was gonna ask you about um how the new mazes compared with the old ones at SeaWorld, but then I realized they were all new to you. But like for me, it was Nightmare Asylum, uh, the Bayou one, and uh, the, the Slaughterhouse were the old ones. And then they added two new ones. 
and it's interesting because I posted some of your videos, which you can catch on YouTube, and somebody wrote, and it's funny, uh, he says, thank you for coming to the event. I was glad to have the opportunity to give you a spook when you came through at the one minute and three second mark. And so I'm trying to figure out what they did exactly to freak you out, but it is quite funny that uh, they were following us and they uh, definitely thought the video was quite good. So that's a, that's a it, good thing. It's, well, it's funny because my wife is very um, excitable at these events. Um, and she had actually considered getting, they offer, what SeaWorld offers that the other ones don't offer, the, at least not that we were aware of this year, is they actually offered a Nobu necklace and it doesn't work for the um, haunted houses as well. Such it's, it's a lineup necklace where they're not supposed to jump out and scare you. But she had such a great time interacting with the folks in the scare zone and talking, talk, even talking to some of the uh, people in the scare zone and then going through the mazes. And, and she was having a great time, even though they, they would scare her and she'd scream and, and that sort of thing. Um, it was just a, a blast overall. And, and honestly, I asked her, you know, I think Scary Farm is still our overall favorite based on our just the experience we've had. Um, but again, we've been there a few times. Uh, but she really enjoyed SeaWorld a lot. And again, nothing to put nothing to um, disregard Universal because one of her favorite things right now is uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Universal did an outstanding um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space maze. Uh, but the SeaWorld one was, they were very interactive, but I think very, um, again, they like to scare you, but at the same time, they were really um, pretty friendly and just, it just, it was just a very more family friendly environment. Um, one of the things I will mention real quick that I, I forgot to mention was they actually had a couple of speakeasies that were hidden inside the mazes um, that you could go and um, tell the people up front, uh, give them the secret password, and they would you would be going through the maze and you'd see the door open and they'd usher people in. Um, so they have some really cool things they were going to release the passwords on their social media um, and that sort of thing. So it was just it they just they really I think they really put a lot into it. Again, they're, they're, I think they're still working with getting additional actors, but at the same time, uh, at the, you know, I think they just did an outstanding job and amazing job overall. Well, it sounds like it, and I know tomorrow, like I said, I am leaving in the morning and driving over to California for the first night of Not Scary Farm. They have the big press night. Uh, they've told us that we're going to get about a half hour early access um, uh, where we get to go in and uh, cover... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, they're going to give us one of the new mazes and the the older one, a couple of them uh, returning favorites from Ghost Riders, and we have a reception, and then the whole thing opens up to us. But fortunately, uh, we are going to be able to take advantage of the line uh, passes for uh, media and stuff, and so it will be interesting because they they promised us three new mazes. They promised us. Uh, there's scare zones, a lot of returning favorites. The rides are going to be going. I know that the log ride has been given a Halloween makeover. They've told me that the Calico Mine Ride is like the Candy Cane Mine Ride or something like that. So I'm going to check that over. We uh, are told that there are th three live shows, I believe, this time and all kinds of things. So I'll be taking a lot of pictures and video. And, of course, they have all the fancy food offerings. So I will do my best to do that. I know one that... Uh, people are a little sad over is dark ride which is an absolute favorite uh they said they're going to retire it after this year so um that was one that i had not had a chance to experience before last year 
and it was a lot of fun. It's essentially an old-style carnival dark ride, but it's uh, uh, fallen down and been haunted. There were people that were on, like, bungee cords jumping out from upper levels and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun, and we're uh, hoping to get some really good video to go with uh, what we had last year. So, gentlemen, I wanted to uh, switch gears and talk about um, the a lot of tech stuff going on. So we talked before the show about the rumors of a brand new PS5 system that would have a detachable optical drive, so you would either get it with or without, and we can discuss that in a minute. But there were also some outfits that were asked to uh, take part in a hands-on with the PSVR 2, and uh, they had rave reviews for it, but the interesting thing was Sony said it is not going to be compatible with PSVR 1 games. So, uh, Justin, what do you think of this? Yeah, you know, I, I think as we go forward, um, it's becoming less and less common for backwards compatibility to be a thing. Um, you know, there's even major consoles that aren't backwards compatible. I mean, uh, PS4 cannot play PS3 games. They really mostly are kind of steering people towards um, getting the games digitally again once they get re-released, basically through like a PlayStation Store. Um, I mean, even Nintendo, which you know was uh really big on backwards compatibility obviously the switch can't play uh wii u games uh just doesn't have the optical drive for it uh, obviously so uh maybe that's kind of a bad example just because the form factor is so different but um the point being that um you know it, it was it used to be very normal for uh hardware development to include backwards compatibility but that was also largely back when it was um, when technology was much more iterative, iterative, so uh, it was a little bit easier to kind of pull that off. Now, you know, it's uh, as I understand it, quite a feat to um, to include backwards compatibility uh, on a lot of these systems. So it doesn't surprise me a whole lot. You know, I, I think it's um, I guess what surprised me a little bit about it is that you would think that um, the differences between PSVR one and two aren't that extreme but i also don't know enough about uh vr technology to really uh to know that for sure so um backwards compatibility is definitely a, a nice feature if they're able to to do it but um you know as the years go on i i just think that it's uh it's becoming more of a of a um of a premium rather than something that's uh by default absolutely uh, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, so a couple of points. Um, so I, I'm, I like to see progress on new systems that aren't shackled by backwards compatibility. What I mean by that is I would rather them put effort into making the experience new and utilizing the um, available hardware to its highest to its best advantage without having to worry about whether or not it'll be compatible with previous gen type stuff. One thing that kind of, uh, what I, and I guess, I guess for, for games that aren't already backwards compatible on PS5 for, for VR games that don't run on PS5, but only run on PS4 makes sense. If the, if a previous gen PSVR game works on the PS5 with the PSVR adapter thing, um, I don't know why that wouldn't work going forward. Uh, again, you know, I'm, I look at this. So I own 
Um, obviously, I own the Oculus Quest 2. I own the original Oculus. I own the Index. I own the uh, Vive. I own uh, PSVR. So I own five, four or five VR headsets right right now with compatibility. Um, and one thing I will say is even for um, Oculus exclusive titles, there were ways to get around those to run on non-Oculus hardware uh, on the PC. Uh, obviously, that's that's modding community stuff that wouldn't be able that the PS teams or the PS, the Sony you know folks in the, out in the Sony ecosystem wouldn't be able to utilize uh, mods to that kind of extent. Um, but uh, so I w I'm a little confused. What would prevent um, them from again making games that are already running on PSVR on the PS5 compatible with the VR2? Again, I'm not saying. They, they certainly shouldn't. I can certainly understand if they're not, if they have PSVR one titles right now that do not run on the PS5 and the PSVR attached to it. I don't know because I keep my PSVR attached to my PS4 Pro. I don't even run it on the, the PS5. Um, so I don't even. Um, so for me, uh, the backwards compatibility isn't a big deal. Again, I, I keep every console um, for the most part. Um, and then I, you know, if I need them, I use them. If I don't, I don't have them plugged in. Uh, but, but to that, to that point, and Justin's point, I, I, I worry. One thing, and, and I think we learned a lesson <laughs> with Cyberpunk uh, specifically. I'll use that as a as a good teaching moment here, um, where I think there was such a push to make it run on previous gen hardware that it impacted their ability to have a clean. Um, effective launch on current gen because they were too busy trying to to fix up and patch up why it wasn't running on previous gen. And I think that's going to be true with a lot of games going forward, not only from a backwards compatibility perspective, but I think at some point you've got to decide to cut the cord on the older systems um, and only release for the new system. So um, if, if, you know, PS5 being out now, again, I understand people still can't get them and I'm not saying Sony's there yet. Um, but I think we're at a point where we're going to start seeing the older consoles in general getting cut out of new releases, and um, backwards compatibility goes with that. Again, I, I think um, you know the PC ecosystem is is always backwards compatible for the most part. But the problem with consoles in general is they're very inconsistent on what hardware they use from generation to generation. You know, PS3 was. PS3, Xbox 360, and Nintendo all utilized some version of IBM's PowerPC. Um, then they went to Intel uh, for the next generation, and then, or sorry, AMD. And then we have, you know, AMD in, in, in the PS5s um, and the Xboxes going forward. Um, so as you, as you change um, those types of um, hardware architectures, you know, if they were to go to an ARM-type processor in the future or, or something else, there's just compatibility issues that become an issue. So I'd rather them focus on making the best experience with the hardware they have available and not focus so much on backwards compatibility going forward. Yeah, that was basically what the excuse was, is that the developers would have to go back and patch the games to, to bring them up to the new standards, and they weren't sure how many developers were going to go back and patch three, four, five, six-year-old games. And then on top of it... Uh, trying to make sure they have product ready for the new system. And I thought about it and said, you know, there is a point there, I guess. There there comes a certain point where you go, if you're still playing these things after uh, that long, well, then, you know, 
you'll have to adjust. But for most people, I think they will be ready to move on and try something uh, new. Justin, did you have a uh, anything additional you, uh, you wanted to add or you're pretty good on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I think Michael brings up some really good points. And I, I think the other thing, too, uh, just his example of uh, cyberpunk, I think, is really apt just because they, they one of the issues with that game and you know i'm a little bit of an apologist for it a little a little bit i think there's there's a lot there's uh there's a gem in in the rough there like that there is uh there's some really good content um in cyberpunk that's kind of under um you know in a rough package and i i think one of the issues um that michael hit on really well is that uh that their development was stretched so thin because they had to keep technology in mind because they were trying to develop it, um, you know, well, one on a time constraint and two across many platforms. And I, you know, I, I definitely agree with, um, you know, when it comes down to making the, the choice between pushing technology forward or, um, you know, being very iterative on, on how technology develops, I think pushing it forward is probably a little bit of a better option um, because, you know, the old technology is still there as long as it's properly supported, you know, uh, and you could still play the, you could still play the games on the older consoles. I think there's, there's, uh, it's a little bit more important to push things forward. Absolutely. And that's, what's so interesting. Uh, we talked briefly, I guess we don't need to go into this too much because there is, um, uh, other big topic to discuss. And that was the rumors that Sony is going to be building a PS5 with a detachable optical drive. Like I said, we'll save that for another time. But the big news this week is that EVGA has reportedly uh, severed all ties with NVIDIA, citing that they're difficult to work with and that they will no longer be in the graphic card business using uh, NVIDIA chipsets and so on, which is rather interesting because less than, what, 72 hours later, the 4,000 series NVIDIA cards were formally announced, and you had several makers ranging from PNY to um, uh, Zotac came forward and said, yep, we're going to be making uh, cards for this chipset. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Yeah, so the, the timing, I, I think you bringing up the timing is very, uh, very intriguing um, that the EVGA announced they're severing their ties and not working you know and that was really what evga to my knowledge that's what they were mostly known for was uh you know their um top of the market graphic cards yeah top of the market graphic cards so this is a huge change um so i, I don't really know what to make of um of what's going on behind the scenes there uh but the timing is interesting because yes, today we did hear about the next line of, uh, of graphics cards coming from, uh, NVIDIA. Um, the graphic, I'm going to be honest, the graphics card market right now and, and has been for a while has been fairly unhealthy, I think. And it's not really any of the manufacturers fault per se. I mean, obviously there's, um, there's supply chain issues that went into it, but, uh, probably the bigger portion is just how much of the, of the market has been sort of gobbled up by uh, by miners um, you know back in the day obviously all of us remember you know a uh, a uh, easier time uh, e either even if you just wanted a, a graphics card uh, e a new one um, you know 
10, 15 years ago really wasn't too difficult and wasn't, I mean, it was expensive, but relatively speaking, it wasn't nearly as um, inflated as it is now. Uh, the other, you know, comment he, um, I, I don't, I don't recall, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if he was the CEO or um, just a high up executive who was uh, at the event announcing these new cards, uh, pretty much said like outright that uh, he did not expect um, prices um, to ever go down for for uh, for video cards and I can understand to an extent you know um, there are a lot of factors that go into market factors that go into uh, determining the price of the video cards um, but uh, it stung a little bit just because uh, you know they, they are they seem fairly inflated compared to how they were um you know uh like, like again 20, 10 15 years ago but relative to where you know people were at um you know with their with regular income so uh the other thing too though that on a on a, on a brighter note you know um we were talking offline that uh that what, what this will do is it will make um the the 30 series uh uh or 3000 series more available and probably cheaper um, which is something that uh, is, is a welcome change. Um, it'll, it'll definitely, uh, you know, help those out who have been wait, waiting so long to upgrade uh, their 2000 series. So that, that's one thing that's always a benefit about these announcements of the of the next line is that uh, obviously that the the now uh, what will be outdated 3000 series will become much more available um, for everybody else. And Michael, do you have any take uh, on this? Yeah, I mean, so I, I plan to skip a gener. I plan to skip this generation only because I'm running 3090s, and I don't really uh, have the the need or the desire to go uh, up to the 4090 series. Now, granted, the performance uh, there is about a the guesstimation without actually seeing any real world stuff um, is I think I've heard about a 50 percent uplift in performance. Um, and they are launching it at a higher price point than the 3090s did. However, you couldn't get a 3080 or a 3090 until about two months ago um, anywhere close to MSRP. So even though I, there were, we're seeing a higher MSRP release date, release for like the 4090s around $1599 and the 4080s around $899 or higher, depending on the uh, amount of uh, memory or you're getting on those cards, whether you're going to 12 gig or, or 16. Um, the, uh, I think a couple of things is one Nvidia recognized that they can pretty much charge what they want and people will pay it again. We had, there were, there were numerous people playing, paying scalpers up to, I think $3,000 for a 3090 at the height of, um, the scarcity, right? I, I got mine. I got one that was about $500 over MSRP and then I got my EVGA card for MSRP. Um, I run a, a 3090 for the Win 3, and the MSRP on that was $17.99 um, for a 3090. And that's MSRP. That wasn't, uh, uh, that wasn't uh, escalated price. So the $15.99 for the um, 4090s, which is high, um, is, uh, is potentially something that could uh, prevent people from upgrading, which would make... Um, availability both from a, uh, a standard user's perspective easier albeit more expensive and maybe drive down any um, new cryptocurrency that um, 
might utilize graphics cards uh, versus ASICs or whatever a lot of them run now, um, might might drive that demand down, which will normalize things. So it's 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 not for the average um, consumer. Um, Spending that kind of money on a graphics card is outrageous. I'm, I'm not going to say that um, that price point is where we should be. I mean, there are there are some things we know. TSMC, which manufactures the the, um, the silicon and the chipset for these things, have increased their prices, and and there's been uh, reports that um, they no longer are giving quantity discounts. So where Nvidia was able to get because they're ordering millions of these chips. Um, they were able to get discounts. Those have gone away. So there has been some rumors that that is up to about a 30% price increase for NVIDIA to manufacture the chips. Um, that does, I think, much like anything else today with the inflation and, and everything else going on, it does um, explain away some of this. Although I, I, I think there is a certainly a level of greed, if we want to put it there, um, where they do feel that people will pay whatever they have to to get the latest and greatest. Um, so I'm going to, you know, my goal is to sit it out, wait till the 5 Series comes out. Um, again, it's one of those things you're always chasing, the latest thing, um, and and see if prices kind of normalize a bit, just like everything else likely will in the next couple of years. Sounds so. good. Justin, your take, please. Oh, yeah, I think Michael uh, hit on pretty much everything there. Like, um yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I, I didn't get a 3090. I got a 3080, 3080, I think. So uh, I'm I'm definitely satisfied with that. And, and the thing, too, is, you know, it, it, one thing I will say is it, it, the time the timing of generations is, is um, a little bit better. You know, there are there are some tech companies and totally different industries, um, uh, not, not to rag on, rag on Apple too much. But, you know, I, I have some issues with how some companies basically just churn out new stuff um just constantly when uh you know there's the generational difference between like uh you know gen 1 to gen 2 gen gen 6 to gen 7 you know gen 11 to gen 12 usually not uh nearly enough to justify anything and i i get that for most people they're they're probably going to skip generations but i think this is this is similar it's just not it's not quite as egregious um, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I'm satisfied with my 3080. It runs great. Um, I have no intention to, to get a, uh, a 4,000 series. The other thing too, is that there really has to be games that really push this hardware to, to justify, um, you know, that the price point. So, you know, uh, I think games that were coming out like cyberpunk, um, which, uh, obviously it didn't really quite meet everyone's expectations but uh but the hype for it i think definitely drove um uh graphics card sales because people in anticipation with the game of that fidelity um are going to want to uh to push their computers to the very brink to to make it happen and uh you know when when you have huge budget games with extreme fidelity um pushing the market i think that's when um they're going to be the most successful absolutely and that's the thing i think i'm going to stick with my three series card as well because there's like you said by the time something comes out that can really take advantage of these cards we're going to have the five series and by that point the four series will be 
very reasonable in price. Although, to be fair, some of these cards have really held up, but who knows? So we've covered a lot of stuff. I just wanted to go, go over a few things. Obviously, Andor is available on Disney+. Plus. I've seen the first four episodes. First three episodes have dropped already, so you can check that out. Um, we have news that Marvel and EA are working on an Iron Man game, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the one that I heard today that this one really kind of, uh, I was like, okay, uh, HBO is apparently going to look into doing a Scanners TV series. So if you want to see people melting and exploding uh, telekinetically, that's in the works. Uh, real quick, wanted to close uh, just talking about the big leaks of the week. We had Grand Theft Auto 6, and we have reportedly had Diablo 4. Now, I have heard stories that Diablo, uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 was still a couple of years away at least, uh, that they're probably going to have to rewrite massive parts of the code because the source code was stolen, and that the FBI may even get involved. So, uh, Justin, start us off. What do you make of this? So, I, I certainly in an extremely long time, I don't think a leak of this caliber has happened um, probably since the, the last time I can remember something of this caliber was probably the leak for Half-Life 2, which um, Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah. Delayed it a good six months. Uh, yeah, and the other thing too about that is that they, because of the nature of the leak, they ended up having to rewrite not just the code, but really like huge portions of like they, they cut levels they they rewrote the story they uh they really had to go back and do redo a lot of work um because of that leak and um hopefully that's not the case this time i, I think that you know i think everybody everybody involved really loses uh w with this leak the leaker um <laughs> the leaker certainly loses um because they're they're gonna go after him really hard and for some reason he got it in his head that he was gonna get a lot of money out of take two um which uh, obviously wasn't gonna happen um you know the fans i mean uh, the fans uh, obviously lose out because you know they're shown you know portions of the game where uh, that are totally incomplete and for for most people i think they they understand that they understand when they they look at something that's only you know maybe 30 percent done um you know it's missing lighting work texture work um you know bug fixes and stuff but there are there's always you know certain people when they view the footage and you can see the comments online like oh this game looks like garbage i'm not gonna buy this game and it's like well the, the thing though is that the game isn't even close to being done. The game, I don't even think it was really, it's really even been officially announced, has it? Like, there hasn't really been any... There's there has not been an official announcement. Yeah. It, there's it, been kind of a, a a wink and a nod that we know, you know, we know that you know, you know that we know that you know. And, yeah, we're working on some new Grand Theft Auto content, but they're not calling it Grand Theft Auto 6. Right. It was, I mean, it was obvious that they were working on, they were working on it. Um, but, but there hasn't been, you know, the big trailer, the big reveal or anything like that, um, or any, any sort of announcement. This game is probably, uh, it's, it's not, it's probably years out. It's probably a 2024 or 2025 game. I, I would be surprised if it came out in 2023, but, um, you know, and then obviously the, the devs lose out because, uh, you know, Take-Two has said, and Rockstar has said that it, it won't delay the game. 
or it won't affect the game in the long term, uh, but they, it will affect uh, things in the short term. Um, you know, it's probably going to be pretty painful. They're probably going to have to re, re, you know, just internal uh, security. They're going to have to go through uh, all of their um, their security measures and basically audit everything, redo everything. Or yeah, like you had mentioned, probably portions of the code that have to be redone now. Um, so it, and that's just a lot of work and it'll probably end up delaying the game. Um, and it's just a huge morale, um, you know, loss for the entire game for, you know, the entire, uh, uh, development team. So, you know, I, I, I feel for them. It's just, it's not a good situation. Uh, again, I think everybody loses in this situation. Uh, if, if anything though, I, I will say for, for unfinished footage, uh, I, I saw little bits of it. It looked, it looks good. Like <laughs> it looks I mean, it looks like Grand Theft Auto, but, um, but, uh, you know, I think it, uh, it, it looked good. So, um, you know, at least, at least there's that. And then with, with Diablo 4, it's just very interesting that both of these happen, um, basically within the same week, at, not obviously not the same leaker, but, um, it just, it just goes to show how important that, uh, these, these security measures are because, uh, uh, again, you know, that was another, um, I think from an internal, uh, like family beta for Diablo four, uh, and the footage got leaked out. So, um, it just, it's interesting. It's just something that, um, uh, companies are gonna have to watch out for. And, you know, certainly with the size of this leak, I don't think anything has happened like this in, you know, at least, at least to the scale in like 10 years or more. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I, I always kind of get a little frustrated with people who are like, oh, this game looks terrible when it's, you know, clearly not even at a point where they're showing any in-game footage officially, let alone announcing the game. Uh, so I think it's, you know, I, I, people just don't either just don't understand or they just don't take it seriously. I don't know. But I agree that it, it does hurt because it, these are the reasons why we can't have nice things, right? That's what he always says. But um this is why the cost of video games continues to increase. This is the reason why um, we see longer and longer delays on getting things out the door, because all of these things require money to resolve, whether it be added security. Um, you know, people always talk about how they feel for the developers during crunch time and how terrible they are about forcing these developers in a crunch time. Uh, but at the same time, people get antsy about wanting to see things that aren't ready they get they complain about how long, how long things take to release, um, and then they you know and then on top of that we deal with people who are you know stealing from them, getting to a point where you know they're having to redo parts of the code, uh, and you know and there there are worse things that could happen outside of this. I mean, it's one thing to release what it looks like um, to the world, but you know there's other things like um, ransomware where you know they potentially could have hacked into their servers locked them out of their code and, and taken whatever development time they had and set them back months. Um, not saying that this was a, a, a good or good thing. It's only that there are, it just shows that if they can do this, there are exposures to potentially worse, worse things that can happen. Um, so I agree. I, I mean, again, we're all anxious to see new content. You know, everybody gets excited when stuff um, happens. Uh, but at the same time, I think that that kind of, uh, derails a lot of the other arguments about 
you know, the cost and the, and the delays on releasing uh, but that sort of thing. I mean, and, and not to keep bringing up Cyberpunk, that wasn't really the point of this. Um, but we all know that when Cyberpunk was initially delayed, a lot of the developers got death threats because of the delay, right? Um, and so, you, and then when they release something that's not quite finished, everybody complains that it was released too soon. It's, it's self-serving in the sense that, you know, people are impatient to see the latest and greatest thing uh, only to complain when it's not at the standards they expect. So, so in this case, I agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's obviously going to have, they're going to have to look into how this happened, uh, you know, whether this was an inside job or somebody who just their security was just so lax that they were able to get in and, and get this stuff. And then what's the fallout going to be? Is it going to delay the game a year because they have to change things or, or not? I mean, I, we really won't know the fallout until it all, all the dust settles, but yeah, it's unfortunate because, um, again, we all get excited to see new things. We all look forward to the latest, oh, what's the latest news and surprises and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, when it's things like this, it just hurts everybody in the community. Absolutely. And that is going to do it for us this week, folks. Please have a very safe week ahead. And we'll be back next week and uh, recap some of the Halloween stuff that I saw on my uh, upcoming trip and uh, the news of entertainment and more. Until then, take care.